This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa ba'd. Inshallah we'll just um, continue on to wrap things up. I'll just be mentioning a couple of things, uh, real basic things in regards to a couple of extra related issues to Ramadan. And then inshallah we'll end with the Q&A. One thing that I do want to mention that uh, Brother Nu'man touched on, and that was towards the end what he was mentioning about the importance of attending sessions or programs that help educate you about the meaning of the Qur'an and how this is how you counter the lack of... uh, Basically, this is how you counter the issue of not understanding what is recited in the Qur'an in Salat al-Taraweeh. That's a very important point because from a fiqh perspective, one thing that I'll tell you is that one of the most frequently uh, asked questions that I get is about holding the mushaf, holding the Qur'an in taraweeh prayer when you're praying behind the imam. I get asked this question all the time. From brothers, from sisters, young and old, everybody. All backgrounds. I get asked this question over and over again. Can we hold the Qur'an? Can we hold the mushaf during taraweeh? And the number one reason for people asking this question is because I don't understand what's being read, I can't focus. So at least this way I'll be following along, focusing. I get asked the question, what if I just sit down in the back and hold the mushaf and follow along, isn't that good? Because otherwise I'm standing there, I don't know what's going on. There is a problem. I'm not denying that there's a problem. And there's a problem that we don't understand what's being recited. And so that leads to, that makes it very easy to lose your khushu and your concentration, your salah. But the way to solve that problem is not in what we're looking for. We, we start assuming, we start thinking, holding the Qur'an and different little things like this, this will help to solve my problem. This won't. This won't. This, this defeats the purpose. It's salah, it's reflection. It's not a reading exercise. It's not a read-along. We can have a different class for reading along or things like that. That's not what taraweeh. Taraweeh is not some big adult read-along. It's not. It's for reflection, it's for listening, it's for tadabbur, it's for tafakkur. And so, the way we counter that, as he, very, uh, as, as he mentioned, is that we attend classes or sessions. First of all, increase your, language of the Arab, uh, increase your knowledge of the Arabic language. Become a, language of the, become a student of the Arabic language. That's number one. But that's a long process. That is, that's that's going to take some time to start showing its fruits. But in the meantime, start attending the duru, start, start attending the halaqat, the lectures that are going on, that are specifically arranged in the month of Ramadan. Attend them, take notes, become a student. This is another thing. Many times we have wonderful educational opportunities, which, oh brother, I really didn't benefit that much, it wasn't that great. Well, we're saying it wasn't that great because the whole time I was sitting at the back of the masjid with my legs sprawled out, my text phone in my hand, texting my friend. And then 45 minutes later when the imam or the shaykh is done, then we say, it was alright, I really didn't benefit that much. Well, of course you didn't benefit that much. Come there, have your little notebook, sit down with a pen, pay attention, write a few notes down, preserve that knowledge, soak it in. 
And then see if it doesn't help you inshallah when you are reciting your salah, when you are standing in the taraweeh. So basically, real briefly, the virtue of taraweeh. He mentioned a lot in regards to taraweeh and its virtue from a spiritual perspective. From a, basically what does the Prophet ﷺ tell us about taraweeh? مَنْ قَامَ رَمَضَانَ إِيمَانًا وَإِحْتِسَابًا غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِهِ The Prophet ﷺ he says, whoever stands in the month of Ramadan, throughout the month of Ramadan, performs his qiyamu layl, his taraweeh, he performs it with consistency throughout the month of Ramadan, and he does it with iman, and he does it knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward him for this, that no matter how late it gets, and no matter how long it gets, and no matter where, where, where he has to be at what time in the morning, he sticks with it, and he knows that I'll be rewarded. The greater my difficulty becomes, the greater my reward will be. All of his sins will be wiped off, and all of his sins will be forgiven. Such a wonderful opportunity. This reminds me of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. The incident from the Prophet's life, when he was ascending the mimbar and saying, Ameen. What was one of those supplications? Jibreel ﷺ came to him and told him that cursed is that person. Ruined is, ruined is that person. Who gets the opportunity of the month of Ramadan, but doesn't achieve forgiveness through this great blessed month of Ramadan. That person is the true loser. Wasted opportunity. So therefore, inshallah, stick with the, the, the taraweeh prayers. The history, the brief history, there's a whole discussion here, by the way, of 8 verses 20 and how many rakah to be prayed. I'm not going to get into that. That is an, not, not just for any other reason, I'll give some specific reasons. One other reason is, mashallah, it is still an, uh, a fiqh discussion. There is knowledge there, there are evidences and resources and opinions and uh, a whole discussion there. But alhamdulillah, like I mentioned in regards to uh, the moon sighting issue, we did do a detailed uh, class on this issue, a presentation on this issue last year. And once again, you'll find the recordings for that either on the Khaliville Masjid website, or you can even find them on the Muslim Matters uh, website that's fully uploaded there. But the history of Taraweeh is that the Prophet ﷺ came out, performed the salah with the Sahaba, and then he went, and then he came out the second night and performed it, and then he came out the uh, third night and he performed it, but then he didn't come out. And the Sahaba waited around till late at night for the Prophet ﷺ to come out and lead them in Taraweeh. And when asked finally why he did not come out, he said, I, I didn't want it to become an obligation upon you. So taraweeh, the status, is that not, it's not a fard, it's not a wajib. Nevertheless, it is a very emphasized sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. It is a very, very emphasized sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And it is, during the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab anhu, it was instituted, systematically organized to be performed in congregation and the recitation of Qur'an to be completed in the taraweeh itself. This occurred during the time of Umar al-Khattab anhu, but at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the Sahaba, they would also perform it at home, they would perform it in the masjid, they would make small, small jama'at or they would perform it individually. Some of them would finish the Qur'an in it, some of them wouldn't. The finishing of the Qur'an during the month of Ramadan is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Finishing Qur'an during the month of Ramadan, not specifically taraweeh. So Umar ibn Khattab anhu in his wisdom, when he saw weakness creeping into the Muslims, and people losing focus, and now Islam spreading, becoming distant from the uh, time of the Prophet ﷺ, kind of losing that energy and that vibe that was there at that time, he kind of merged the two together to facilitate the completion of both sunnahs at the same time. 
Now they're performing taraweeh, they're performing in congregation. When you do things in a group, it becomes easier. There's an environment. Try praying taraweeh at a home. It's very, very difficult by yourself. Come to the masjid and perform and you get it done. So it just makes it easier to do it in a group. Secondly, completing the Qur'an as well was, this, uh, was uh, facilitated for us by the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, also instituted that it should be completed in the taraweeh prayer. So by no means is it an obligation, but it's still a very, very emphasized sunnah. And once again, make the most of the Ramadan. Don't just try to cut corners, don't try to see what's the bare minimum that I have to do, turn it into an experience. Make it, make it an event that changes your life. Make it a turning point in your life. Now a couple of practical tips. What can we do in order to make it easier? To pray taraweeh. Because it's no denying it, it'll be a bit later this year. It's a little bit later than what we're used to last few years. So how, what are some practical tips? So the first thing is when we come home from work, because the day is longer, try to get in like a little nap, try to take some rest, try to take it easy. And then come in for the taraweeh. If you've had some rest, you've already taken a little nap, you've gotten it, got off your feet for a little bit, then it inshallah give you more energy to perform the taraweeh. The other thing is like he mentioned, don't stuff yourself in, uh, when you break your fast. At iftar time, don't eat, your, don't eat yourself to death. Because basically, it's like what I like to call a food-induced coma. That's what follows. You pass out. No end in sight. So don't do that to yourself. Eat light, eat easy. And inshallah, come in and that will allow you to also participate in the taraweeh properly. The other thing that I, I want to mention in terms of the children, like I mentioned about fasting. I do want to mention the children here again. I understand it's late. And I understand there are school nights. But at least on the weekends, if nothing else, same thing, give them a little nap during the day, during the evening. But bring them, let them experience. Your, your, you know, your, uh, the elementary school aged kids, and some of your, even your teenagers and your youth, bring them, let them experience Ramadan. Pray in taraweeh, see that experience, get a sense of, uh, of belonging to the community, and experience the Qur'an. I'll tell you a personal story. My whole motivation to study and to learn Qur'an and then study other Islam and Arabic and Islamic knowledge and everything else. My first motivation was when I was really, really young, from the age of like four or five, my father every single day would take me to taraweeh prayers. Every single day would take me to taraweeh prayers. Even on school nights. You might, like I said before, you might disagree with that approach. Nevertheless, that was his focus and that's what he thought was best for me. And alhamdulillah, I thank him for it now. And I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that that's what he chose. So I remember I was about seven years old. I'd been going to taraweeh every single night for a couple of years already. And I remember one day on the way back from taraweeh, I told my dad, I was, I was amazed, blown away by the imam, by the shaykh who would lead the taraweeh. He was reciting Qur'an from memory. And he would recite it nice and slow and easy and beautiful. No like, you know... No speed train like taraweeh. Nice and easy and slow, properly recited. And I was so amazed by his ability to do this. See, your children will aspire for, for even Islam, for knowledge of deen. If you take them, you expose them to that. Let them see how amazing it really is. So I was so amazed by it. I told my dad that at that time, I want to memorize, I want to do what he does. I want to memorize Quran. I want to be able to read it the way he reads it. And that was my first motivation. And when the opportunity did 
uh, present itself. For me to be able to go and memorize the Qur'an, I referred back to that. I said, this is it. This is what I told you I wanted to do and I want to go. That was my first motivation. That was my first exposure. That was when I first dreamed of doing anything in the area of Islamic study. So this is, this is the type of opportunity Ramadan provides. So expose your children to this. MashaAllah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them, preserve them for the protection of their sincerity and their deeds. Last year I was so pleased to see this one family and they would bring their children every single night for taraweeh. And then what Brother Noman was talking about, the detailed explanation, the dars the, 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 of tafsir that follows after the witr, they would even sit with that and their children would sit with that and listen and benefit. And without fail, at the end of Ramadan, that family came to me with their youngest son telling me that he's saying he wants to go and become a hafiz of the Qur'an. Last Ramadan, right here in this masjid. This is the opportunity Ramadan is. We talk about our children all the time. But here's the opportunity. Here's where we need to really t- seize the opportunity, make the most of it inshallah. So I talked a little bit about the status of performing taraweeh, and of course, the relationship with the Qur'an therein, and how it's not an obligation, it's not wajib or anything like that, but still it was instituted later on at the time of Umar al-Khattab, to finish the Qur'an during Ramadan. So inshallah, we try to read as much Qur'an as we can in the taraweeh, and inshallah, it's a good, it provides kind of a good opportunity to get two things done at the same time, and it facilitates. Like I mentioned earlier, there's a difference of opinion about the numbers. But like I mentioned, there is, an, there is a good mature scholarly discussion there, a thick discussion there. But I, we've already conducted that once and time doesn't allow for it. So I've referred you, you can inshallah go and find a detailed lecture presenting the different opinions with their evidences. But what I will say this much is it's, it's an issue. Like I've already told you about the status of taraweeh, praying it in itself is not a fard. It's an emphasized sunnah, but that's what it is. So to start like doing takfir of one another, or criticizing one another, or breaking communities apart, having a big dust up in the masjid, over the number of rakats of taraweeh, is really, really, really unfortunate. It should not be an issue of breaking the community apart, an issue of disunity. And that's why the safest, the safest bet is, inshallah, perform taraweeh with your community and with your imam. And that's the best conclusion. Ibn Taymiyyah and many other scholars have come to this conclusion because of the hadith of Abu Dawood that the Prophet ﷺ basically says that the reward of taraweeh is for the person who begins and ends his taraweeh with his imam. With his imam. With the person leading the salah. So go to your masjid, participate in your taraweeh, and inshallah, benefit from the blessings therein. And don't make this uh, a focal point of the difference in the community inshallah. The other last issue that I'll talk about this, it, that's in relation to Ramadan is i'tikaf. Now i'tikaf in the Arabic language, um, its root of it, akafa, it literally means to focus on something. It means to turn your complete attention towards something. And so therefore i'tikaf is basically to seclude yourself, to completely focus yourself 100% towards worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the masjid and not leave the premises of the masjid, not to indulge in any business, not to re- indulge in any physical uh, intimacy with one's spouse. Cut yourself completely off from that and devote yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and towards ibadah during the month of Ramadan. This is or in general. So i'tikaf, this is what it literally means. Now in terms of i'tikaf, what are some of the rulings and what's the status of i'tikaf? So i'tikaf is, is, a, is of a few different types. There is a sunnah, there's no fard i'tikaf, there's no wajib i'tikaf, there's a sunnah or a nafil. 
Meaning there's a recommended i'tikaf, and then there's one that's completely voluntary. The recommended i'tikaf is to do it in the last 10 nights of the month of Ramadan. Alama Zuhri, Rahimahullah Imam Zuhri, he says that what has happened to the Muslims? What's wrong with Muslims? And he's talking about his time. He's talking about basically uh, just about a hundred years after, uh, not even a hundred years after the passing of the Prophet He's saying, what's wrong with the Muslims today? He's talking about a hundred years later. He said, they have given up on the i'tikaf. Even though the Prophet never, never abandoned the i'tikaf from the time he migrated to Medina till the time he died. Every single Ramadan he performed the i'tikaf. And he was very regular about it. Some Ramadans, the Prophet ﷺ even spent 20 days in i'tikaf. Not 10, 20 days in i'tikaf. So i'tikaf is a very, very emphasized sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. It's something we should strive for. And I'll tell you very, once again, very simply, that like we plan a vacation, you save up vacation days, you make arrangements, you take a vacation, at least aspire that make a plan, maybe set your, if it can't be this year, set a goal, maybe next year, or in, you know, a couple of years from now, set a goal. Fine, life is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but setting a goal and making an ambition for a good deed is recommended. And inshallah, if you die in between then, you'll get still get the reward as if you did do the deed. So make the intention, three years from now, five years from now, I will sit for the 10 days of i'tikaf. I will make this commitment. And strive for this inshallah. You have to make a goal and you have to strive for it just like we do anything else. So the 10 days of i'tikaf are the sunnah. There is a nafal i'tikaf as well. So there is i'tikaf outside of the month of Ramadan in the opinion of the majority of the scholars. And it can be done at any time. The majority of the scholars say the minimum, the minimum is one day. To do i'tikaf for one day and one night, that's the minimum amount of i'tikaf. But there are some scholars like Imam Muhammad Hassan al-Shaybani rahimahullah, who says that there's no minimum for the i'tikaf. This is the preferred opinion within the Hanafi fiqh, and this is where, what the fatwa is upon. So that's why he recommends that whenever a person arrives in the masjid, make intention for i'tikaf and you'll get the reward as long as you're there in the masjid. However, majority of fuqaha say one day, one night is the minimum of i'tikaf. So this Ramadan... We might not be able to do 10 days, but maybe you can do 5 days. Maybe you can do 3 days. Maybe you can just do 1 day and 1 night. Do whatever you can. Make the commitment to do it. And this inshallah also facilitates seeking out the night of Laylatul Qadr during the month of Ramadan. And finally, so this is the minimum and recommended. And then the virtue and the importance. I'll just mention the, the virtue of it. This is a great sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And I'll... Just basically a quote, a very well-known quote of Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah. He says that what, what i'tikaf does is it leads you to a very strong connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because what you do is you cut yourself off. Like Brother Norman was mentioning earlier, that in Ramadan you cut off that which feeds the body. In order to strengthen the soul, to try to regain some sense, some semblance of balance. Similarly, I'tikaf also helps establish that because throughout the year, we're so, we're, we're, our priorities are other things and other people and other issues. And we're so much more connected to other people than we are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We feel such a strong connection to everyone, in regard, uh, except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I'tikaf provides us an opportunity to distance ourselves from business, from family, from all these things, in order to strengthen that connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said it's also a training, it's literally a preview of the loneliness that a person will have to experience in their grave. 
Because each and every single one of us has to die one day. We'll leave this world one day. And each and every single one of us will be placed in our grave, will be laid in our grave all by ourselves. And the dirt will be poured on and we'll be, they'll walk away. This is tough to swallow, tough to talk about, tough to listen to. But this is the reality, this is the truth. Each and every single one of us is marching towards that day. We'll be left all by ourselves. All by ourselves in our grave alone. This will help us prepare for that day. This will help us, give us a preview of what that will be like. When you're here all by yourself, and your children, and your wife, and your business, and your home, and your bed, everything is there. And you're here alone in the masjid. It's a preview. It'll give you a sense of that. Detachment and connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So take this opportunity, try to do i'tikaf, make a niyyah, make an intention for i'tikaf, inshallah, for whatever amount is possible for you, inshallah, this year. And then, like I said about Laylatul Qadr as well, this will help facilitate us seeking out the night of Laylatul Qadr. Even in terms of Laylatul Qadr, I'm not gonna get into the details of it, inshallah, now we'll open it up to uh, the basic Q&A and whatnot. But I will just say one thing, a lot of misconceptions that people have, imams generally talk about it, inshallah, your imams and khatibs will be addressing it and talking about it throughout the, throughout the month of Ramadan. But in, try to seek out the proper knowledge of how to seek the, uh, the night of Laylatul Qadr. Okay, it's not just the 27th night. Okay, so seek it, learn about it properly. Go past whatever has been told or what you heard in customs and traditions and get the proper knowledge, get the proper understanding of how to seek out this night. The best way to understand it here and now very simply, it could be any night from amongst the last 10 nights. So seek it out. And there are other hadith that kind of lend more whatever strength to maybe it being one of the odd number of nights and whatnot. We don't have time to discuss all of that, but still move past this, this, this impression of just this 27 night and that's it. That's why what happens, even compared to mashallah in Ramadan, generally masjids are much more packed than they are throughout the rest of the year. But on the 27th night, it's like, well, we don't even have any room to park. It goes crazy. That's fine, mashallah. It's good everyone is here. I'm happy they're here. I'm not gonna drive people out. Get out of here, out of the masjid. I'm not going to drive people away, but inshallah, come with that same energy throughout the whole last 10 nights. Inshallah, to seek the night of Laylatul Qadr. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to practice all of this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the uh, ability and the insight into this information, allow us to practice this. And like I mentioned at the beginning, I'll mention real briefly here at the end again. These are very important lessons. Very, very important lessons. Because we've been fasting for so many years, but do we really know, do we, are, we, are we sure that we've been fasting properly? That they've been accepted? That we've fulfilled the rights of the fasting upon us? Have we really benefited from the month of Ramadan as we should be? Inshallah, this year let's change that. The other thing is, inshallah, from now, we don't have a lot of time left, but we still have some time left. Start, inshallah, increasing your activities from now. Get your wheels spinning, get your wheels turning before, so that you don't burn.